chapter seventeen of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter seventeen narrative of darcy latimer our history must now as the old romancers want to say leave to tell of the quest of allan fairford and instruct our readers of the adventures which befell darcy latimer left as he was in the precarious custody of his self-named tutor the laird of the locks of solway to whose arbitrary pleasure he found it necessary for the present to conform himself in consequence of this prudent resolution and although he did not assume such a disguise without some sensations of shame and degradation darcy permitted crystal nixon to place over his face and secure by a string one of those silk masks which ladies frequently wore to preserve their complexions when exposed to the air during long journeys on horseback he remonstrated somewhat more vehemently against the long riding-skirt which converted his person from the waist into the female guise but was obliged to concede this point also the metamorphosis was then complete for the fair reader must be informed that in those rude times the ladies when they honoured the masculine dress by assuming any part of it wore just such hats coats and waistcoats as the male animals themselves made use of and had no notion of the elegant compromise betwixt male and female attire which has now acquired par excellence the name of a habit trolloping things our mothers must have looked with long square-cut coats lacking collars and with waistcoats plentifully supplied with a length of pocket which hung far downwards from the middle but then they had some advantage from the splendid colours lace and gay embroidery which masculine attire then exhibited and as happens in many similar instances the finery of the materials made amends for the want of symmetry and grace of form in the garments themselves but this is a digression in the court of the old mansion half manor place half farmhouse or rather a decayed manor-house converted into an abode for a cumberland tenant stood several saddled horses four or five of them were mounted by servants or inferior retainers all of whom were well armed with sword pistol and carabine but two had riding furniture for the use of females the one being accoutred with a side-saddle the other with a pillion attached to the saddle darcy's heart beat quicker within him he easily comprehended that one of these was intended for his own use and his hopes suggested that the other was designed for that of the fair green mantle whom according to his established practice he had adopted for the queen 
of his affections although his opportunities of holding communication with her had not exceeded the length of a silent supper on one occasion and the going down a country dance on another this however was no unwonted mood of passion with darcy latimer upon whom cupid was used to triumph only in the degree of a mahratta conqueror who overruns a province with the rapidity of lightning but finds it impossible to retain it beyond a very brief space yet this new love was rather more serious than the scarce skinned-up wounds which his friend fairford used to ridicule the damsel had shown a sincere interest in his behalf and the air of mystery with which that interest was veiled gave her to his lively imagination the character of a benevolent and protecting spirit as much as that of a beautiful female at former times the romance attending his short-lived attachments had been of his own creating and had disappeared as soon as ever he approached more closely to the object with which he had invested it on the present occasion it really flowed from external circumstances which might have interested less susceptible feelings and an imagination less lively than that of darcy latimer young inexperienced and enthusiastic as he was he watched therefore anxiously to whose service the palfrey bearing the lady's saddle was destined but ere any female appeared to occupy it he was himself summoned to take his seat on the pillion behind crystal nixon amid the grins of his old acquaintance jan who helped him to horse and the unrestrained laughter of sicily who displayed on the occasion a case of teeth which might have rivalled ivory latimer was at an age when being an object of general ridicule even to clowns and milkmaids was not a matter of indifference and he longed heartily to have laid his horse-whip across jan's shoulders that however was a solacement of his feelings which was not at the moment to be thought of and crystal nixon presently put an end to his unpleasant situation by ordering the riders to go on he himself kept the centre of the troop two men riding before and two behind him always as it seemed to darcy having their eye upon him to prevent any attempt to escape he could see from time to time when the straight line of the road or the advantage of an ascent permitted him that another troop of three or four riders followed them at about a quarter of a mile's distance amongst whom he could discover the tall form of red gauntlet and the powerful action of his gallant black horse he had little doubt that green mantle made one of the party although he was unable to distinguish her from the others in this manner they travelled from six in the morning until nearly ten of the clock without darcy exchanging a word with any one for he loathed the very idea of entering into conversation with crystal nixon against whom 
he seemed to feel an instinctive aversion nor was that domestic's saturn and sullen disposition such as to have encouraged advances had he thought of making them at length the party halted for the purpose of refreshment but as they had hitherto avoided all villages and inhabited places upon their route so they now stopped at one of those large ruinous dutch barns which are sometimes found in the fields at a distance from the farmhouses to which they belong yet in this desolate place some preparations had been made for their reception there were in the end of the barn racks filled with provender for the horses and plenty of provisions for the party were drawn from the trusses of straw under which the baskets that contained them had been deposited the choicest of these were selected and arranged apart by crystal nixon while the men of the party threw themselves upon the rest which he abandoned to their discretion in a few minutes afterwards the rearward party arrived and dismounted and red gauntlet himself entered the barn with the green-mantled maiden by his side he presented her to darcy with these words it is time you two should know each other better i promised you my confidence darcy and the time is come for reposing it but first we will have our breakfast and then when once more in the saddle i will tell you that which is necessary that you should know salute lilius darcy the command was sudden and surprised latimer whose confusion was increased by the perfect ease and frankness with which lilius offered at once her cheek and her hand and pressing his as she rather took it than gave her own said very frankly dearest darcy how rejoiced i am that our uncle has at last permitted us to become acquainted darcy's head turned round and it was perhaps well that red gauntlet called on him to sit down as even that movement served to hide his confusion there is an old song which says when ladies are willing a man can but look like a fool and on the same principle darcy latimer's looks at this unexpected frankness of reception would have formed an admirable vignette for illustrating the passage dearest darcy and such a ready nay eager salute of lip and hand it was all very gracious no doubt and ought to have been received with much gratitude but constituted as our friend's temper was nothing could be more inconsistent with his tone of feeling if a hermit had proposed to him to club for a pot of beer the illusion of his reverend sanctity could not have been dispelled more effectually than the divine qualities of green mantle faded upon the ill-imagined frank-heartedness of poor lilius vexed with her forwardness and affronted at having once more cheated himself darcy could hardly help muttering two lines of the song we have already quoted the fruit that must fall without shaking is rather too mellow for me 
and yet it was pity for her too she was a very pretty young woman his fancy had scarcely overrated her in that respect and the slight derangement of the beautiful brown locks which escaped in natural ringlets from under her riding-hat with the bloom which exercise had brought into her cheek made her even more than usually fascinating red gauntlet modified the sternness of his look when it was turned towards her and in addressing her used a softer tone than his usual deep bass even the grim features of crystal nixon relaxed when he attended on her and it was then if ever that his misanthropical visage expressed some sympathy with the rest of humanity how can she thought latimer look so like an angel yet be so mere a mortal after all how could so much seeming modesty have so much forwardness of manner when she ought to have been most reserved how can her conduct be reconciled to the grace and ease of her general deportment the confusion of thoughts which occupied darcy's imagination gave to his looks a disordered appearance and his inattention to the food which was placed before him together with his silence and absence of mind induced lilius solicitously to inquire whether he did not feel some return of the disorder under which he had suffered so lately this led mr redgauntlet who seemed also lost in his own contemplations to raise his eyes and join in the same inquiry with some appearance of interest latimer explained to both that he was perfectly well it is well it is so answered redgauntlet for we have that before us which will brook no delay from indisposition we have not as hotspur says leisure to be sick lilius on her part endeavoured to prevail upon darcy to partake of the food which she offered him with a kindly and affectionate courtesy corresponding to the warmth of the interest she had displayed at their meeting but so very natural innocent and pure in its character that it would have been impossible for the vainest coxcomb to have mistaken it for coquetry or a desire of captivating a prize so valuable as his affection darcy with no more than the reasonable share of self-opinion common to most youths when they approach twenty-one knew not how to explain her conduct sometimes he was tempted to think that his own merits had even during the short intervals when they had seen each other secured such a hold of the affections of a young person who had probably been bred up in ignorance of the world and its forms that she was unable to conceal her partiality sometimes he suspected that she acted by her guardian's order who aware that he darcy was entitled to a considerable fortune might have taken this bold stroke to bring about a marriage betwixt him 
and so near a relative but neither of these suppositions was applicable to the character of the parties miss lilius's manners however soft and natural displayed in their ease and versatility considerable acquaintance with the habits of the world and in the few words she said during the morning repast there were mingled a shrewdness and good sense which could scarce belong to a miss capable of playing the silly part of a love-smitten maiden so broadly as for redgauntlet with his stately bearing his fatal frown his eye of threat and of command it was impossible darcy thought to suspect him of a scheme having private advantage for its object he could as soon have imagined cassius picking caesar's pocket instead of drawing his poniard on the dictator while he thus mused unable either to eat drink or answer to the courtesy of lilius she soon ceased to speak to him and sat silent as himself they had remained nearly an hour in their halting-place when red gauntlet said aloud look out crystal nixon if we hear nothing from fair ladies we must continue our journey crystal went to the door and presently returned and said to his master in a voice as harsh as his features gilbert gregson is coming his horse as white with foam as if a fiend had ridden him red gauntlet threw from him the plate on which he had been eating and hastened towards the door of the barn which the courier at that moment entered a smart jockey with a black velvet hunting-cap and a broad belt drawn tight round his waist to which was secured his express bag the variety of mud with which he was splashed from cap to spur showed he had had a rough and rapid ride he delivered a letter to mr redgauntlet with an obeisance and then retired to the end of the barn where the other attendants were sitting or lying upon the straw in order to get some refreshment red gauntlet broke the letter open with haste and read it with anxious and discomposed looks on a second perusal his displeasure seemed to increase his brow darkened and was distinctly marked with the fatal sign peculiar to his family and house darcy had never before observed his frown bear such a close resemblance to the shape which tradition assigned it red gauntlet held out the open letter with one hand and struck it with the forefinger of the other as in a suppressed and displeased tone he said to crystal nixon countermanded ordered northward once more northward when all our hopes lie to the south a second derby direction when we turned our back on glory and marched in quest of ruin crystal nixon took the letter and ran it over then returned it to his master with the cold observation a female influence predominates but it shall predominate no longer said red gauntlet it shall wan as ours rises in the horizon meanwhile i will on before and you crystal 
will bring the party to the place assigned in the letter you may now permit the young persons to have unreserved communication together only mark that you watch the young man closely enough to prevent his escape if he should be idiot enough to attempt it but not approaching so close as to watch their free conversation i care not about their conversation said nixon surlily you hear my commands lilius said the laird turning to the young lady you may use my permission and authority to explain so much of our family matters as you yourself know at our next meeting i will complete the task of disclosure and i trust i shall restore one red gauntlet more to the bosom of our ancient family let latimer as he calls himself have a horse to himself he must for some time retain his disguise my horse my horse in two minutes they heard him ride off from the door of the barn followed at speed by two of the armed men of his party the commands of crystal nixon in the meanwhile put all the remainder of the party in motion but the laird himself was long out of sight ere they were in readiness to resume their journey when at length they set out darcy was accommodated with a horse and side-saddle instead of being obliged to resume his place on the pillion behind the detestable nixon he was obliged however to retain his riding skirt and to reassume his mask yet notwithstanding this disagreeable circumstance and although he observed that they gave him the heaviest and slowest horse of the party and that as a further precaution against escape he was closely watched on every side yet riding in company with the pretty lilius was an advantage which overbalanced these inconveniences it is true that this society to which that very morning he would have looked forward as a glimpse of heaven had now that it was thus unexpectedly indulged something much less rapturous than he had expected it was in vain that in order to avail himself of a situation so favourable for indulging his romantic disposition he endeavoured to coax back if i may so express myself that delightful dream of ardent and tender passion he felt only such a confusion of ideas at the difference between the being whom he had imagined and her with whom he was now in contact that it seemed to him like the effect of witchcraft what most surprised him was that this sudden flame should have died away so rapidly notwithstanding that the maiden's personal beauty was even greater than he had expected her demeanour unless it should be deemed over-kind towards himself as graceful and becoming as he could have fancied if even in his gayest dreams it were judging hardly of him to suppose that the mere belief of his having attracted her affections more easily than he expected was the cause of his ungratefully undervaluing a prize too lightly won or that his transient passion played around his heart with the hitting radiance of a wintry sunbeam flashing against an icicle which may brighten it for a moment 
but cannot melt it neither of these was precisely the ease though such fickleness of disposition might also have some influence in the change the truth is perhaps the lover's pleasure like that of the hunter is in the chase and that the brightest beauty loses half its merit as the fairest flower its perfume when the willing hand can reach it too easily there must be doubt there must be danger there must be difficulty and if as the poet says the course of ardent affection never does run smooth it is perhaps because without some intervening obstacle that which is called the romantic passion of love in its high poetical character and colouring can hardly have an existence any more than there can be a current in a river without the stream being narrowed by steep banks or checked by opposing rocks let not those however who enter into a union for life without those embarrassments which delight a darcy latimer or a lydia languish and which are perhaps necessary to excite an enthusiastic passion in breasts more firm than theirs augur worse of their future happiness because their own alliance is formed under calmer auspices mutual esteem an intimate knowledge of each other's character seen as in their case undisguised by the mists of too partial passion a suitable proportion of parties in rank and fortune in taste and pursuits are more frequently found in a marriage of reason than in a union of romantic attachment where the imagination which probably created the virtues and accomplishments with which it invested the beloved object is frequently afterwards employed in magnifying the mortifying consequence of its own delusion and exasperating all the stings of disappointment those who follow the banners of reason are like the well-disciplined battalion which wearing a more sober uniform and making a less dazzling show than the light troops commanded by imagination enjoy more safety and even more honour in the conflicts of human life all this however is foreign to our present purpose uncertain in what manner to address her whom he had been lately so anxious to meet with and embarrassed by a tete-a-tete to which his own timid inexperience gave some awkwardness the party had proceeded more than a hundred yards before darcy assumed courage to accost or even to look at his companion sensible however of the impropriety of his silence he turned to speak to her and observing that although she wore her mask there was something like disappointment and dejection in her manner he was moved by self-reproach for his own coldness and hastened to address her in the kindest tone he could assume you must think me cruelly deficient in gratitude miss lilius that i have been thus long in your company without thanking you for the interest which you have deigned to take in my unfortunate affairs i am glad you have at length spoken she said though i owe it is more coldly than i expected 
miss lilius deign to take interest in whom dear darcy can i take interest but in you and why do you put this barrier of ceremony betwixt us whom adverse circumstances have already separated for such a length of time darcy was again confounded at the extra candour if we may use the term of this frank avowal one must love partridge very well thought he to accept it when thrown in one's face if this is not plain speaking there is no such place as downright dunstable in being embarrassed with these reflections and himself of a nature fancifully almost fastidiously delicate he could only in reply stammer forth an acknowledgment of his companion's goodness and his own gratitude she answered in a tone partly sorrowful and partly impatient repeating with displeased emphasis the only distinct words he had been able to bring forth goodness gratitude oh darcy should these be the phrases between you and me alas i am too sure you are displeased with me though i cannot even guess on what account perhaps you think i have been too free in venturing upon my visit to your friend but then remember it was in your behalf and that i knew no better way to put you on your guard against the misfortunes and restraint which you have been subjected to and are still enduring dear lady said darcy rallying his recollection and suspicious of some error in apprehension a suspicion which his mode of address seemed at once to communicate to lilius for she interrupted him lady dear lady for whom or for what in heaven's name do you take me that you address me so formally had the question been asked in that enchanted hall in fairyland where all interrogations must be answered with absolute sincerity darcy had certainly replied that he took her for the most frank-hearted and ultra-liberal lass that had ever lived since mother eve ate the pippin without paring but as he was still on middle earth and free to avail himself of a little polite deceit he barely answered that he believed he had the honour of speaking to the niece of mr redgauntlet surely she replied but were it not as easy for you to have said to your own only sister darcy started in his saddle as if he had received a pistol-shot my sister he exclaimed and you did not know it then said she i thought your reception of me was cold and indifferent a kind and cordial embrace took place betwixt the relatives and so light was darcy's spirit that he really felt himself more relieved by getting quit of the embarrassments of the last half-hour during which he conceived himself in danger of being persecuted by the attachment of a forward girl than disappointed by the vanishing of so many day-dreams as he had been in the habit of encouraging 
during the time when the green-mantled maiden was goddess of his idolatry he had been already flung from his romantic pegasus and was too happy at length to find himself with bones unbroken though with his back on the ground he was besides with all his whims and follies a generous kind-hearted youth and was delighted to acknowledge so beautiful and amiable a relative and to assure her in the warmest terms of his immediate affection and future protection so soon as they should be extricated from their present situation smiles and tears mingled on lilius's cheeks like showers and sunshine in april weather out on me she said that i should be so childish as to cry at what makes me so sincerely happy since god knows family love is what my heart has most longed after and to which it has been almost a stranger my uncle says that you and i darcy are but half red gauntlets and that the metal of which our father's family was made has been softened to effeminacy in our mother's offspring alas said darcy i know so little of our family story that i almost doubted that i belonged to the house of redgauntlet although the chief of the family himself intimated so much to me the chief of the family said lilius you must know little of your own descent indeed if you mean my uncle by that expression you yourself my dear darcy are the heir and representative of our ancient house for our father was the elder brother that brave and unhappy sir henry darcy redgauntlet who suffered at carlisle in the year seventeen forty six he took the name of darcy in conjunction with his own from our mother heiress to a cumberland family of great wealth and antiquity of whose large estates you are the undeniable heir although those of your father have been involved in the general doom of forfeiture but all this must be necessarily unknown to you indeed i hear it for the first time in my life answered darcy and you knew not that i was your sister said lilius no wonder you received me so coldly what a strange wild forward young person you must have thought me mixing myself in the fortunes of a stranger whom i had only once spoken to corresponding with him by signs good heaven what can you have supposed me and how should i have come to the knowledge of our connection said darcy you are aware i was not acquainted with it when we danced together at brokenburn i saw that with concern and fain i would have warned you answered lilius but i was closely watched and before i could find or make an opportunity of coming to a full explanation with you on a subject so agitating i was forced to leave the room what i did say was you may remember a caution to leave the southern border for i foresaw what has since happened but since my uncle has had you in his power i never doubted he had communicated to you our whole family history 
he has left me to learn it from you lilius and assure yourself that i will hear it with more pleasure from your lips than from his i have no reason to be pleased with his conduct towards me of that said lilius you will judge better when you have heard what i have to tell you and she began her communication in the following manner End of chapter seventeen